And here is your host, Dr. Tony Bean. Yeah, Tony Bean wishes that he was here today. Instead, he is in Washington, D.C. Dave Wilson, Justin Hall from Palmetto Family joining you today. If you are watching on Facebook, good morning. This is not Tony. I know what you're thinking. Yes, I am not going to go through the entire. You know, we're sitting here going, we're you know, we're where Christ makes a difference. Yes, Dave Wilson, <laughs> president and CEO of Palmetto Family, here with our communications director, uh, Justin Halt. Justin, I'm not as accomplished as Dr. Tony Beam. I don't. No. I wouldn't have that long of a lead-in. I mean, his lead-in is you got to have a whole Twilight Paris song to be able to make it through Tony's you introduction. You need two. You really do. You also need Days of Elijah in there thrown in. Oh, uh, you do. Days of, that could go on and on. It could. It does. Yeah. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Again, Dave Wilson and Justin Hall. Glad to be with you today. Our dear friend, Dr. Tony Beam, as you have heard earlier this week, is in Washington, D.C. It is still pro-life weekend in Washington because the March for Life is going on tomorrow. It is going on on Friday, and uh, while thousands will be marching in Washington, D.C. to uh, March for Life, the vice president, whom Corinne called president, will actually be in Florida doing the opposite. She'll be she'll be uh, marching. Mar- she'll be marching from the plane to the place where she's speaking, where she's, she's speaking, speaking to uh, fight for more abortions. The ability for us to have more children die at the hands of abortion in America. Which is all interesting because China's yes. dealing with a population decrease. I know. And they like had a million people decrease in their population this yeah. past year. And what do we want to do? Eh, we're just going to take another million out. Sure, well, why not? Yeah, well, I mean, it won't hurt the economy in any way, shape, or form. None. I mean, it's not like it's not like we're having tough economic times or anything. Well, it's not like I think we heard it at the top of the hour. If you were listening in, yes, welcome to debt ceiling day in America because we have yet again reached the end of the credit card limit. I feel like they're calling up the credit card company right now. Hey, listen, can I get a little bit more on that credit limit, please? Well, what's interesting is it is debt ceiling day. And this from, I'm sorry, I'm getting this from the most trusted name in news. CNN. I'll put that in quotes. The U.S. (laughs) has been in debt. um, The Shocking. The only two years in U.S. history where there were no debt... Yes. Came as then-President Andrew Jackson. Good old South Carolinian Andrew Jackson. I'm quoting, was blowing up the banking system. Well, he was trying to do that back then. Immediately preceding the Panic of 1837. Well, there were a couple of economic issues that were going on. But we're not going to go into the history lesson of Andrew Jackson today. The country will likely reach its debt limit today, which currently stands at $31.4 trillion with a T. Trillion with a T. Dollars. Now, this is interesting because yes. the president on Martin Luther King Jr. Day back on Monday of this week took just the opportunity this, to just ce- this week. Yes, took the opportunity yes. to celebrate the the importance and the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King, which we all understand. Yes, to discuss um, fiscal policy, which uh, you got me on that one. Uh, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna reach the debt ceiling today. But it's okay, Dave. You know why? Why is because that? Because he's, he's decreased the deficit. 
Oh, don't, don't even start about decreasing the deficit. He's decreased the deficit by spending more money. You know, I love the fact that we can talk about decreasing the deficit when in reality... Okay, so yes, for those of you who need a rewind of the last two years, we did actually borrow a heck of a lot of money because we did this whole COVID thing, and the government borrowed several trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Actually, we just printed several trillion dollars and Correct. borrowed it from ourselves. Correct. Correct which we didn't really borrow from ourselves. We did it through the Fed. We made up money. We gave it away. We said now we've spent more money than we've got in. But if you look at the big trend line for where de- the deficit is, minus the two years of COVID, it is like a nice steady incline, like like, an air, like a jet taking off, like a fighter jet taking off, going like straight up. Like an F-15? Like an F-15. Well, what's interesting, uh, I want to go back to the F-15 here later. Um CNN also references the fight between then-President Bill Clinton and then-Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich in 1995. Dave, do you know what the debt was in the United States in 1995? By the way, I was a crisp one-year-old. Do you know what the debt was in 1995? It was hovering just south of, what, $5 trillion Four, back then? $4.9 trillion, right. a little less than 65% of the gross domestic product. $5 trillion in 95, so 95, 05, 15, we're under 30 years later. That is an exponential increase. You're talking six times that amount now okay, so, in so, 2023. So let's put this into some real numbers here because, again, like the, the cost of my number one value meal at a particular chicken restaurant has gone up as well. Sure. You know, it used to be like four eighty five. Now it's like seven seventy five. So, if we put it, we've got to put it into a a value that we can measure against, kind of like a plumb mm-hmm. line. So, mm-hmm. I think that if you look at this measure to the gross domestic product, that is, how much do we actually produce as a country back in nineteen ninety five when it was just under five trillion dollars? That it was about sixty five percent of our gross domestic product. That's how much our debt our debt was. Now, upwards of 120%. That seems bad. You know, it it does put us upside down. You know, what's interesting is we mentioned this yesterday on our podcast that we do, the Palmetto Family, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. It's only the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina. what I hear. I keep hearing that all the time. Uh, I hear it in my sleep. We we (laughs) talked about, mainly because I say it, we talked about uh, the fact that back when he was vice president, now president, Joe Biden said a country uh, – how, how did he word it? A country is known – a country's wealth is known by their debt. Something like that. Something ridiculous. And so I guess if the goal is to have more debt, then we are like coming up aces. We are a phenomenal country. Though. We are doing well. Let's just run through the rest of the numbers real quick. By the time we got to 2011 to 2013, mm-hmm. when it was the government shutdown between John Boehner and Barack Obama. Ooh, that was fun. Ooh, did, did John Boehner cry? John Boehner did actually cry. He probably was having a smoke and a drink at the same time, probably too. Probably holding his gavel. Probably so. We were at $16 trillion by the time we got to 2011. That's nearly four, 12, ti- that's nearly four times the amount in twenty in less than 20 well, years. Well, okay, so that was the, about the time that our friend Senator Kimbrell did that speech at the Citizens for Life March and Rally, where he was yes. talking about the fact that if you looked at where the economy was— Economists were basically saying, if you looked at the number of people who should be in the workforce who had been aborted because of Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. we would, if we had not had that happen, we would have enough people in the workforce creating and doing 
to zero out whatever deficit and debt we had. Wow, this you know, seems kind of judgmental. It 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 does of the truth <laughs> of the truth, maybe, I suppose. Maybe. Uh, let's see here a, a little bit more. They add this at the end. If the 1995 and 2011 examples are a guide, there will ultimately be some kind of agreement for some kind of spending cuts. You know, I'm just interested to see if the federal government will actually cut spending. This drama will continue for months as the Treasury Department exhausts extraordinary measures. Now, are the extraordinary measures to tell us that inflation is transitory? Yes, because we've got to tell you something that you're not going to believe, that you can actually believe, so that you'll actually think that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. In any event, I love this, in any event, 2023 is looking to be a year focused on debt and spending. In what way? I think we need more debt like, to do more spending. Like we're going to spend more money to go deeper into debt? I mean, really, what what's the... What kind of focus are we going to get? I mean, you have one party controlling the House by a slim majority. You have another, a different party controlling the Senate. But the one that controls the purse strings right now is the more conservative party. They did at least yesterday turn around and defund 87,000 IRS agents. Well, wonderful. That may save us a little bit of money. That'll, well, then that'll he, save you a little bit, but— but then again, that that's that's completely cutting out every opportunity for them to get more money from you. How much was the omnibus bill? A again, lot. One point seven trillion dollars. Trillion dollars, yes. One point seven trillion. Where where uh, the word salmon was mentioned eighty times or something like that. It was. What we're not focused on. We're not focused on on debt. We're focused on spending, and by focused on spending, spending more, which is fiscally irresponsible. And if you look at the situation, we referenced China earlier. The age of the population in China is expo- is is increasing because they had the one-child policy, then they had the two-child policy. Now the government's requesting that more and more people have babies. But remember, they were having sex-selective abortions not 20 years ago, right. trying to kill the girls because we don't want the we don't want baby girls, we want boys. Now now males, there are 34 million more males in China than there are females. They're getting older. There's no one working in the middle to support the outer ends of each side, and there are not enough babies filling the gap as they grow up. Same thing's happening in France. The population's getting older. Macron wants to raise the um, the retirement age. From Again, 60. Uh, for, 60. Well, he did from 60 to 62. Now he wants to go from 62 to 65. The problem that you're going to have with that is all of this stuff ekes westward eventually. Well, Will we come to a point with all of this spending, with all this debt, we can't just keep raising the debt ceiling. At some point, you, like, I can't balance my checkbook. I don't have a checkbook. I can't look at my bank account online and say, well, I owe all these people $20,000. You know what? I'm just going to raise my debt limit to 40000 Get me by for another couple of months. That doesn't work. Sure it does. It works for Eventually, America. eventually we have to balance the checkbook. Eventually. We Eventually, do a good job of that in South Carolina. But. We do. Well, because we're constitutionally required to balance the checkbook in the state of South Carolina. As it there is should in, be a constitutional thing to balance the checkbook in the country. I think there is like a balanced budget <laughs> amendment to the Constitution. I think 29 of the 34 states that are required. South Carolina most recently passed that. This year, the legislature turned around and said, hey, listen, we will actually – Join on to an amendment to the U.S. Constitution requiring us to have a balanced budget so that we don't end up running up yet one more credit card yep. or printing a little bit more money right. than we don't have. Right. I, and, and, you know, the, the biggest issue is when you have an inflationary period like we have, 
it takes a long time for that to reverse itself. This can't. It, this doesn't get changed overnight. It's no. going to take time to back away from the ledge, so to speak. And I think. Well, and it, so it. here's here's where it, for every one of you who pays taxes, okay, here's your price tag today. Hopefully, you pay your taxes. If you pay your taxes, <laughs> per taxpayer, two hundred forty-six thousand eight hundred and sixty-seven dollars. So er, each of you needs to buy a pretty decent sized house. <laughs> for the next thirty years, your payment's probably going to run you about eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month to pay off the debt. Every single taxpayer in America. So that's where we are. I mean, can you imagine if you got handed a bill for two hundred fifty thousand dollars and said, "Hey, Justin, hey, you're going to need to pay this up now." No, thank you. No, <laughs> I, I think the average person's going to. You feel this at home, folks. So why in the world is this happening? There are a lot of things that are going on. Uh, Dave Wilson and Justin Hall with you. We just got done talking about the debt ceiling. It is debt ceiling day. I didn't buy you all a card. I apologize. I can't afford I, a card. I, yeah, well. <laughs> the reality is we have a quarter of a a quarter of a million dollars apiece that we all owe off the federal debt. Yeah, Hallmark's got nothing on no on our federal debt. So sorry about not getting the card. I'll I'll save up and get you something for Valentine's Day if the economy affords it. Um, so we talked about the debt ceiling. I I just want to mention this because this is the kind of thing that I enjoy. My Dave knows this from our Palmetto Family Matters podcast that we do weekly. I have I have a person inside the administration that I that is my favorite. Yeah. I I admire this person. They <laughs> I don't right. want to spoil it. They are the best press secretary ever ever so good now we're going to lead into this because we want to talk about what the vice president's doing dave teased it before the break a wonderful tease uh madam press secretary corinne jean-pierre K- kjp kjp affectionately I, I t- the first time on the palmetto family matters podcast i ever did kjp you were like seriously you're going to give her an acronym now and now you use it all the time i use it all the time i i try to do that instead of the whole corinne jean-pierre but um, it just sounds so much nicer when you say it Frenchly. Yesterday, like yes. as it should be, because it's the way the name is. Yesterday at the at the uh, afternoon press briefing, which if you're a nerd like me, you love them. Well, the the funny part about that one is it used to be at one p.m. and now they've pushed it back to three. And I sometimes wonder what time Matlock comes on on TBS. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, they usually call a lid by noon. No, that's true. Um, Jean Pierre pivoted to abortion accusing the ultra-MAGA Republicans of trying to roll back women's rights while, quote, the president and the vice president remain committed to fighting these extreme attacks on women and expanding access to reproductive care. I don't know how many more talking points you can fit into a sentence, but she did a good job there. She does read them very well, though. Here's her next statement. Here's her plan. Here's what she says the calendar looks like for the White House. This Sunday, the president will speak about the fight to secure women's fundamental right to reproductive health care in the face of these attacks. She will talk about what's at stake for millions of women across the country, and most importantly, the need for Congress Did to codify read, these wait, protections. Wait, wait, wait. Did you read that right? Her quote says she will talk about what's at stake for millions of women across the country. Is she now, does the she president? Mis- now, does she misgender Joe Biden? Because I've been told that the pronouns matter. No, she did not misgender Joe Biden. She's talking about Kamala Harris. Beca- Kamala Harris, whatever. Kamala, Kamala uh, what's so, it really matter? Yes. So, Kamala Harris is going to Florida. Apparently, Florida is a good place to be now because the vice president's going there. I was told it was terrible. Yes. She's going to Florida to celebrate, to hallow 
the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which, by the way, is no longer a thing. This is true. Uh, it was overturned uh, with the but, Dobbs decision. But they're, they're celebrating the 50th anniversary of it. She she is. She is. Um, in, in, in a southern state. Where the governor might be running for president. And there is no border. Well, there is. Well, I mean, there well, is. It's called the, the Gulf of Mexico and the, Gulf of the Mexico. Atlantic Ocean, right? But there's, isn't she though the borders are? Yeah, who's going to leave more of a mess though for Florida, Kamala Harris or a hurricane? Ooh. But but again, back to the point. Yes. I raise these hypotheticals. Back to the rhetoricals. Back to the point. Kamala Harris was referred to as the president. Corinne Jean Pierre did call her the president, and she never corrected. Now, one, she's really bad at her job, but two. Uh, she referred to the vice president as the president, and that the president is a she, and is going to Florida to focus on reproductive rights in recent months, which has included meetings with activists, healthcare providers, and state lawmakers from well, around maybe, the country. Maybe she's just being superstitious and wants to turn around and, and and not show exactly what's going on inside the White House. I mean, that's okay. She's probably trying to stay as far away from the whole document drama as she can. But Peter Ducey does keep asking about it, which does make it a much more entertaining. He's know, not the only briefing. one. He's not the only one asking about At it. At least though. now. The, the, like right. the press briefings now appear to not be sycophantic fangirling over the administration. Uh, remember when they came in and sang happy birthday to Jen Psaki yes. um, and, and she made cookies for everyone. And I'm like, or is this playtime? What are we doing? Yes. You have a job to do. You have a job to do. Your job is to ask questions of, the administration. Right. And that's your job. You were to ask questions. But we're also supposed to turn around and, and have cookies on your birthday. Yes. But they, they are all asking questions about this. The problem is, I, I think what we're seeing is the vice president feels like this is still a winning issue for the administration and for um, for Democrats in, in, in total. Right. And if they can... If they can move on this issue, it might help. They believe it might help them secure a win in 2024 because they feel like it secured a mini win in 2022. Thus, the reason why we are seeing her in her, the vice vice president, president. Kamala, Kamala, whatever her name is, Harris, down in Florida, where Democrats, as our friends at the Associated Press say, where Democrats have been on guard for new efforts to restrict abortion from Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, a potential 2024 presidential candidate. Her speech is a continuation of her focus on reproductive rights in the recent months, including meetings with activists, healthcare providers, and state lawmakers from around the country. You know, I, she spends more time on abortion rights than she ever does on securing the border, where last month, highest number ever, 250,000 people illegally crossed the southern border. Well, when it come, well, because we're advocating for abortion, we have to fill the population in some way. And Gene is on the phone with us. Good morning, Gene. Welcome to Christian Worldview today. Good morning, young man. I, I can't call you young man because I know I, I'm a senior. I uh, question yes, uh, uh, or a point to make. This is not the first time we've heard the media or uh, refer to Carmela. I call her Carmela as uh, that's a uh, nice one, Madam there, Gene. President or President. Even Joe Biden. There's an episode where Biden even referred to her as President. That's well, true. she also did refer to the premier of North Korea as an ally too. That's but, true. Well, I yes. mean, So, so, and I guess with respect to all the events, the totality of all the events that are occurring now. Um, who knows? I think they're assessing whether Joe should sit down, uh, step away, and then 
uh, live a, a quiet retirement or uh, and put her in as president, which I ought to ought to scare every one of us. I mean, yeah, I mean, Joe is, is bad enough as Obama was bad enough as it was, but Joe is bad, but she's going to be worse. And my fear is that as she steps into that position, there's going to be a situation of another crisis, government crisis, constitutional crisis, and we're going to need Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum to come in as a caretaker government. What do you think? You know, conspiracy theory. I, well, it, it's kind of funny because the things that used to be conspiracy theory like 10 years ago are, are non-conspiracy fact now. Gene, I will give you... I, one one sentence. The difference between the truth and a conspiracy theory is about three months. Especially with this administration, right. it may be like three right. minutes. True, true. And so I would agree with you. I mean, they're already meeting in Davos right now. I I do think that this whole document thing is an effort. Listen, this doesn't just come up out of nowhere. I I, I think there is some level of possibly, if this gets any worse, putting putting a certain president out to pasture and running a more high-energy, younger candidate in 24 against either the former president or uh, well, Ron DeSantis or whomever. I, can't, I, I cannot see Kamala Harris as a, as a bona fide, uh, competent president. There's just absolutely no way. Oh, no. And, no. and I'm, I'm going to bring it to another level. I think at this point I'm going to admit that God is laughing at America in our judgment. You know, Gene, I'm not t- I'm not too far from you on that one because if you start taking a look at everything else that's going on around us, when you start looking at where we are, the the spending that we're doing, the number mm-hmm. of children who have lost lives in America since Roe v. Wade, yeah. it, there there is a judgment that is coming down on this. Let's just be honest, folks. Don't think just because we're America and it's 2021. Yeah, you know, I mean, sorry, 2023 now. It's yeah. Don't put me back. Don't, don't go back to you. Don't do don't that. Do that. Here we are in the 21st century, and that, that there is not a level of judgment that's on us for the fact that we as a nation have spilled the blood of 63 million Americans. That is just unbelievable. So there is very much, Gene, as you said a minute ago, really good chance that we could be honestly looking at a place where God is saying, listen, I'm going to take my hand off this because yeah. I can't continue to go here. And that's a good point, Gene. I, I just want to mention that you're not far off base with, with what you said either because uh, Psalm thirty-seven, thirteen, the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. So you're not far off on that. What I will say is Kamala would be a tough run as president or as a candidate for president if we flash back to 2016. Was it 2016 or was it 2020? No, it was 2020. It was 2020, good gracious. Or 2019 when they were primarying. Right. Uh, she didn't make it to her home state. That's I think true. she dropped out before California. She dropped out in South Carolina. She did, did she even make it to South Carolina? She dropped out, out of South after South Carolina after the whole bus thing. Remember when she saw the bus? Oh my gosh, I love the bus. That's when oh, that's yes. when she that's when well, it was the also, voters voters like we'd rather have Pete Buttigieg. But it was also at the time too when Jim Clyburn, U.S. representative from South Carolina. Use the power of Jim Clyburn sure. to launch Joe Biden out of fourth or fifth place, and she was behind him. She was behind him, yeah. but remember, it was it was J- uh, Jim Clyburn in that election, the primary, just a mere little over four years ago. So, for those of you who are not <laughs> familiar, the the music that plays Love in it. Love is it. called bumper music. Okay, so. I, whenever I am, am, am here in studio, 
It's always a great little uh, laugh that happens when we come out of a break because it's what music is Gary going to pick today? Correct. Walking into the enemy's camp, you know, George Santos is may want to lay his weapons down because the congressman from New York has yet again uh, made a very big um, show of himself. Keep in mind, George Santos is, is a newly elected representative from New York in the U.S. Congress. He is. Um, he is the first non-incumbent gay Republican to win an election to Congress. Can which, we add any more add modifiers to that? We could add qualifiers as you want, man. He, he's also the he is the the first gay non-incumbent con man who has been elected to Congress. Well, uh, this again from the and again I don't if. If you're not familiar with our podcast, I promise you I don't use CNN as this much of a source often. Um, but I only read what Dave sends me. So <laughs> It was popping up last yeah, night. George, Congressman George Santos is, quote, an embattled freshman Republican. <laughs> you know, you got two types of freshman Republicans. You got George Santos and then you got Russell Fry from the 7th Congressional District in South Carolina who's been selected to the House Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee that has now launched investigations on the Biden family. Not, that's no small That's no small position to have two, two for different a freshman types congressman. Of, two different types of freshmen. Right. Uh, he's facing growing pressure, though, is Santos, to resign after he lied and misrepresented, easy for me to say, his educational work and family history. He, he's lied about everything. Santos has admitted to embellishing his resume embellishing his resume. You know the mark of a liar when they're like, well, I'm not totally lying. I mean, I've, I've I just not, embellished it. I just embellished it a little bit. Um, but he has maintained that he is, quote, not a criminal. But now we have learned that um, a U.S. Navy veteran, uh, Rich Osthoff, told CNN um, that he began developing a tumor in 2015. It continued to grow in 2016. He said he was homeless, living in a tent, and at the time, at the time, after losing his job and his home, uh, Santos set up a GoFundMe for Ostoff's Pitbull Sapphire. No, so, excuse me. The dog had the tumor. Right, My the, bad. Right, the, the dog, dog had, had the, the tumor. tumor. Let me make sure I get that right. The, the Navy veteran has a dog named Sapphire. They're both homeless, living in a tent. Ostoff had just lost his job in his house. The dog has developed a tumor. So Santos set up a GoFundMe. For the dog. Seems like a very stand-up thing to do. That would be a very nice thing for somebody to do, to raise money to help to pay for the medical expenses for a a homeless veteran who's got a dog that's dying. Uh, The Post says Sapphire is a 10-year-old red-nosed pit bull. Leave your opinions of pit bulls on the side here. That has been keeping this man company. She, Dose, should say does, but they spell it Dose. Again, I... Spelling. Spelling's important. Spelling she is does important. not de- deserve to die because of this tumor. She right. deserves to be treated and cared for. Will you help this baby and her daddy again? So we're, I'm a big we're thing assuming on that. that that Santos, the then non non first gay non incumbent con man Republican to back be in elected 2015, for Congress back in 2015. So this is a few years back. Set up a GoFundMe. Right. It, raised, a, it seemed to be a nice guy thing. It raised about $3,000. That's wonderful. Yes. That's going to cover some medical expenses. But things went south. Santos became uncooperative when Ostoff tried to gain access to the money. At first saying Ostoff needed to take his dog to a veterinary clinic of Santos's choice, then claiming another clinic wouldn't accept Santos's form of payment. I had to jump through hoops and do everything his way. Turns out, Ostoff never got the money. Santos 
yet again has conned somebody to raise money for a dying dog for a homeless Navy veteran and walks away with three grand in his pocket. Wow. And this, but this is a this is the new member of Congress. Remember, that. correct? Santos eventually stopped replying to messages, and Ostoff said he never received payment from the fundraiser. The dog Sapphire passed away about six months after the last contact with Santos. Um, Ostoff said he had to panhandle for the money to pay for the euthanasia. Um, he contacted police; didn't go anywhere. Here's my favorite part: because Santos went by a different name. Ooh. When the two were in contact with him, Ostoff said he didn't know Anthony DeVolder and George Santos were the same person until recently. So George Santos is living like double lives, but there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Turns out he lived in Brazil, I believe, for a short amount of time, and at that time was a drag queen. Haven't we talked about... So, I'm looking at the camera for Facebook Live. For, so for those of you who, <laughs> who have not had the chance to listen to the fastest-growing conservative podcast in South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast... Ding. Please, uh, please listen and subscribe because these are the sorts of things that we actually ended up talking about, including the drag queen that the drag queen that had a child dancing on a stage in downtown Columbia. Now you're going to get them turned up on the oh. on this page, and it's going to be crank it up, folks. It's going to be terrible. Right now, the big the big thing here is not the salaciousness of him living a double life or stealing money from somebody who needs it, which all those things are bad, or being a drag queen in Brazil, which is also bad. Didn't he also um, steal some stuff while he was down there? He got probably, arrested for something. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, the, the problem here is an inability by this person to tell the truth. He does have a very big issue with that. Now, everyone says all politicians lie. I, I, don't, I mean, some of them don't, I'd imagine. But Joey. again— you, have, you, you do have <laughs> Joe Biden, Joey stories. I'll get into my Joey stories yes, we'll later. Yes, we'll do those sec- next uh, hour. It, it just—it boggles the mind— I'm not saying he should resign because I that's not for me. I'm not the arbiter of who should stay in Congress and who shouldn't outside of the vote I cast in November. But this raises some very serious questions I believe the House Republican caucus should kind of handle, right? I, Kevin McCarthy is the newly elected speaker after the 15th vote. We do have a speaker, right? Mr. Speaker, yes. We he, do okay, have, we okay. Do have a speaker. Just making sure, because making sure that marathon ended. Yes, it did um, end. It it took me. It takes some people less time to run an Ironman. Anyway, the point is, it <laughs> someone should have to do something. I mean, if 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 we're gonna order, I I mean, there's a line too because what are we gonna do? Order a mass evacuation of all liars from Congress? If so, we won't have a Congress. We, we won't have. Can- a, we definitely won't have a quorum. Well, that may not be a bad thing right now, but since we're, you know, we have hit debt ceiling day. Yes. <clears throat> As we yes. talked about earlier, you know, we're, we're pushing the $32 trillion mark. Maybe it would be the best thing in the world is anybody who is who meets those characteristics just to leave for a few months and just <clears throat> stop. But then the government wouldn't get anything done. And isn't that a problem? The like, government never gets like, anything should, done anyway. But, but no, but shouldn't, like, track with my thought here, but shouldn't, like, government control everything? And so... I'm not going there. Well, okay, I'm just asking. I, I just think George Santos's issues run a lot deeper than just living a double life and um, being a drag queen in Brazil. I, there's deeper issues here. Well, and, and this is the fact that Osthoff, the, the homeless Navy veteran, actually said this. He said, in December, I started seeing him on TV. I recognized his face, and it just turned my stomach when I saw him. So— He's uh, so he's got a mentor, Michael Bull. Bull says this. He said, 
that he, being Santos, was now given a position where he affects thousands of people's lives. It's really disheartening to know that. In the final text message that Ostov sent to Santos, he said, Where's my fundraising proceeds, George? You owe me plus interest. Needless to say, the messages to Santos were left unanswered. I would love to know whether or not they were actually read. Were they left on red? I would imagine. He probably switched phones. He probably... <laughs> the burner phone that he left in Brazil? I mean, the big thing here is if you watched any of the votes on the speakership and the, that election, whatever that was, he was sitting alone. Nobody. No one, no one talking to him. Like, more people were talking to Gates and Bogart than were talking to him. They were trying to get them to vote. But That's true. no one was talking to George Santos at all. And the thing is, we really wouldn't—it's ironic that the New York Times has spent so much time and energy and effort on this one particular congressman. Now, keep in mind, I can understand that because it's he salacious. is a congressman. But it's also salacious. It's salacious, but he's a congressman from New York. Republican. Republican. Gay. Republican. Non-incumbent. Congressman from New York who has a salacious background. Sure. And so that makes, you know, they've got to somehow sell the paper. As <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> best they can. All, the all New York the, Times, man. All the salaciousness is fit to print. Gene, thanks for uh, taking the time to call in this morning because it's really great to hear from folks, especially because for those of you who do not know, I am the president of Palmetto Family Council in uh, the largest conservative organization when it comes to Christian values and the public policy in the state of South Carolina. We're based out of Columbia. Justin Hall, our communications director, is with us today. We will be here tomorrow as well, filling in for Dr. Tony Beam while he is in Washington, D.C. Tony is up there for the March for Life rally that is going to be going on tomorrow. A lot of great things going on. Tony and I talked yesterday um, you know, some great ideas of how do we continue to push forward on a pro-life agenda. Keep in mind, folks, pro-life does not just mean ending abortion. It means creating abundant life for every single person. How do we go beyond? Because we've been accused, Justin, by members of our legislature calling us out on the floor of the Senate that we're all pro-life. Y'all are just pro-birth. Uh, which which side of the political aisle was that? I think both they, of them. I think um, yes. Yeah, we've been we've been called out a few times, which is fine. Um, I I respond with, well, I just want to see more babies uh, that are already conceived and already living, <laughs> right? Uh, to see the outside of the womb. I think that'd be a pretty pretty awesome thing for them. But I don't know. So the it's other side opinion. of the other side of what we do at Palmetto Family, for, and if you would like to learn more about what we do, you can always visit palmettofamily.org. You can go also to your smartphone and download the app. You can. The Palmetto Family app from there. It's user-friendly. You can also catch up with our podcast, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. The fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. And we really do appreciate it when you take the time to, to do that because what we really try to do is help people understand what the issues are, why they matter what the Bible says about them, but most importantly, what you can do about it. Those things are so vitally important as we get ourselves involved in the process of politics, in the process of what's going on, because people are driven by the, the philosophies and, and the core beliefs that they have. We want to help you put those beliefs into action mm -hmm. so that you can make a difference for Christ across our state and your community. As we, as we get close to wrapping up Hour 1, I did tease this story before the break. This from the Associated Press. We Wait, have friends who write for the so, AP. So for those of you who 
if you listen, if you're a regular listening to our podcast, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, then you would know that there are certain segments. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, there are certain segments that Justin just kind of throws at us cold. And uh, and so this is the one last of those time today. I did that. We talked about the new neo pronouns poof poofs. I am uh, not this going is into not, poof poofs today. This is not one of those stories. No. This is actually a major news story from yes. New Zealand, okay. Wellington, New Zealand. The AP reports New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who became a global icon of the left. You cannot tell me whether she has blonde or dark hair because she's not a global icon. Anyway, the point. Okay. She exemplified a new style of leadership, which is loose and fast with the rules. Is she the one who was dancing in a nightclub? Was she? Or was that somebody different? That was the one from <clears throat> Finland? Oh, that's right. They're different. Right. Said Thursday that she would leave office. Just 37, when she became leader, Arden was praised around the world for her handling of the nation's worst ever mass shooting and the early stages of the COVID pandemic. But she's faced mounting political pressure at home and a level of vitriol from some that hadn't been experienced by previous leaders. Still, her announcement came to a, as a shock throughout the nation of nearly 5 million people. New Zealand only has 5 million people in their population. South Carolina's bigger populated. We have more, more population populated. than New Zealand. Fighting back tears. Yes. Ardern told reporters in Napier that uh, February 7th will be your last day as prime minister after five and a half years in office. I know what this job takes, and I know that I can no longer have, en- I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It is that simple. Lawmakers in, the, in her Labor Party will vote for a new leader on Sunday. She became an inspiration to women around the world after winning the job in 2017. She seemed to herald a new generation of leadership on the verge of being a millennial, had spun some records as a part-time DJ. Yeah. Really? That's her list of accolades. She was almost a millennial. She spun some records as a part-time DJ. And and here's the big kicker. And here's what the leftists really love. She wasn't married. Not tied. Not tied to a spouse. It's important. Freedom. 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 <laughs> That's important. That is so important. She also became the second world leader to give birth while holding office in 2018. She's not married, but she gave birth. Um... She also brought her daughter to the floor of the U.N. General Assembly. So, turns out, her infant daughter wasn't the only baby at the U.N. that day. Um, (laughs) She's pushed through a bill targeting net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Good luck with that. She she oversaw a ban on assault weapons and largely kept the coronavirus out of New Zealand for 18 months. Her approach drew the ire of former President Trump. (laughs) There it is, Stan. I know this is the AP. Right. Uh... Uh, so yeah but she's stepping away she's stepping away she's she doesn't have enough in the tank anymore guys she's uh oh she's engaged to clark gayford that's i'm assuming i'm assuming that's who the baby daddy is but anyway the point is uh the prime minister of new zealand anytime there's change in world leadership it's important yeah especially for a country that's five million people because new zealand is impactful dave because we have a state of 5.3 million people and henry just got reelected, and he just got re-inaugurated he did get reinaugurated. That, what, that makes him. If he lives, if he is, if he stays this entire term, Henry McMaster will have been the longest-serving governor in South Carolina history. I kind of wonder: is she the shortest-serving no prime way. minister in New Zealand? In New Zealand? Nah, maybe. Maybe she's not the shortest. 
serving prime minister, if you watch The Crown, you know the turnover early have, in the days of Queen Elizabeth. You know, I didn't have a chance. I have not had a chance to watch The Crown. I watch yet. it on VidAngel. Do you? Uh, because, uh, because there's some stuff in it that I don't want to see. Do you like miss half the episodes sometimes? No, 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 no. You see a pretty good amount. Okay. No, you see a pretty good amount. It's just you don't see the stuff you don't want to see or hear the stuff you don't want to hear. Well. Because if you you, you, you put on VidAngel, you set up whatever filters you want. Really good show, but it, are, but it shows, it highlights the issues that the prime minister position had after Winston Churchill's second go-around. They went through, like, I think Queen Elizabeth went through three prime ministers in, like, ten years. It's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. I mean, that again, you have a head of state and a head of government. That is the difference in the British in the British system, right? right? And and, and well, in, and and in and in New Zealand, you just have. I to sometimes feel like we might have that at Washington D.C. Oh, we elect our king every four years, right? But I really, I, I've still yet to figure out exactly who does run our government. In we're Washington, all still trying to figure that out. I was told it was the swamp, and that we were going to drain that, and then we just made the swamp bigger. Really, it, this is true. You know, when you think about when we were, we were talking earlier this hour about. The fact that we've now hit the debt ceiling yet again, and it's funny how it's funny. They said that they're going to start doing some. What was the phrase that they used? They're going to be where they're going to be shifting money around. Yeah, we're going to extreme measures. We're going to shift money around. What are we? What are we? What are we doing? What are we? Let's just. You know what? Let's just take that thirty point two million dollars and move it over here. Right. Uh, That doesn't work. And so they're 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 doing that right now. Sure. To turn around and, and figure out how to keep us from having. To shut down government, which will probably happen sometime between June and September. Sure, but in the sec- in, in in our second hour, in our final hour, I, I would like to talk about what the current president's doing, and me whilst his lawyers are combing his Delaware home, and what the former president, you know, because the March for Life is tomorrow. The March for Life is tomorrow. I, I want to talk about what the former president said about. The, the, the former president, right you will want to stick around for the next hour because if you believe that. It takes a lot of folks to turn around and do what needs to be done for the pro-life movement in America. Like maybe, I don't know, all of the crisis pregnancy centers, the sidewalk counselors, all of those people combined. who And those who've been working in the movement for years, like our friends with South Carolina Citizens for Life, Lisa Van Riper, Holly Gatling, Amy Baker, all of those folks, uh, Alexa Newman, uh, Kelly Ross, who's been here, who co-hosts typically on Friday, all the work that they have been doing on the pro-life movement in America, well, that has nothing, folks, nothing at all compared to what Donald Trump said this week about what needs to be done on the pro-life agenda. We are going to be handling that and covering a lot more in the second hour. Tony Beam is in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life, and Dave Wilson and Justin Hall in for Tony. For the rest of this week, tomorrow, we'll be joined by our colleague Mitch Prosser as we talk even more so about what's going on, not only in our nation, but especially here in our state, as we wrap up the second week of the South Carolina General Assembly.